Hi, this is Umida Switlow. I'm sitting in this beautiful backyard, Wayne Bennett's house. Wayne, you were with QSO in Uganda. Uganda. What years? Uh, I arrived in July of 1970 and yes. left in October 72. You were there in a pretty interesting time. What did you What did you do before you went to Uganda? I, I graduated uh, from University of Toronto in civil engineering in 69. Okay. And then I decided to work, got a job that summer with a consulting firm in Toronto, and uh, I was kind of looking for some something different, something to contribute, mm -hmm. a new adventure, I guess. And I uh, decided in about January or February of 1970 mm. to apply to CUSO and in it, Toronto, uh -huh. and then through that application process, interview process. You went was, uh, was selected to go to Uganda. And what that did you summer. say? You were going to Uganda. I, I, what What did you know of Uganda? Nothing. 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 So and I knew very little of. Uh, and I think at the time when I applied, I think I just said I, I would go anywhere that they, uh, which country needed uh, civil engineers. So it was kind of very open process. I mean, it could have been Malaysia, it might have been South America, but it ended up Uganda. So what did they assign you to do in Uganda? I worked for the Ministry of Public Works in the water and drainage section, uh -huh. and it was it was kind of an interesting time because it had only been Uganda had only been independent about six seven years at that point. That's right. But we had a Ugandan chief engineer. You did. Which was very unusual in those days. It was only six years after independence. Edward Abura, mm -hmm. fabulous man, from the north, um, had worked in Britain. For quite a few years, I think with the London Transit Commission, and had been kind of recruited to come back to Uganda. So he was a man probably in his uh, 40s, you know, had teenage children at the time. Yes. But just a dynamite guy, like very dynamic. And so the group below Edward were a combination of a couple of Ugandan engineers and about four or five expatriates. So there was a, a Dane, a, myself, and a Danish guy, very young guys. And then there was a couple, two or three British guys, kind of mid-career, 40-year-old. So it was a very interesting office at the time. It was quite a mix. So when <coughs> I think of when you were there, so when, uh, before independence, there was infrastructure that uh, then, did were you really on maintenance or expansion? Mainly expansion. The, the two big cities, uh, Kampala and Jinja, had their own staff for looking after their water supply and sewerage. So our group generally worked in the smaller communities, Masaka, Masindi, oh, Lira, okay. for water and sewer works. And also some of the institutions, so agricultural college, teachers college, remote, not in the urban centers, but okay. more upcountry. So you got to travel so around. I, got, I was so delighted to be able to travel. So we were blessed by being able to go around the country. We'd do a survey and write a little report and that. Um, but it was so difficult to actually... Um, get goods at the time because Uganda is landlocked. Mm. Everything we ordered in terms of uh, mechanical equipment, electrical equipment, had to come, through, had to come through Mombasa, up the train, etc., etc. Mm. So that whole process was painfully slow. Um, if we could do things locally, we, we had the expert. I think there was enough contractors um, and, and workers that if 
as long as we could do it with local materials, like concretes and, and those kind of things, yeah. it was it was doable. Yeah. But once we needed, you know, pumping equipment or something fabricated, mm -hmm. it became a lot more delayed. It was like it became a long process. But this uh, this whole infrastructure uh, program really had a lot to do with improving health in the country because yes. the water, yeah, potable water, clean water, and then getting rid of the sewage. Yep. And all that. Yeah, and a lot of the the infrastructure, like we would visit schools or agricultural colleges that were built, you know, probably 10 or 15 years earlier, and they had a water supply system, but it was now struggling. They were having trouble, and they needed a little bit of improvement to it and whatnot. So the infrastructure in Uganda was quite good. It was. Quite yeah. good. The British yeah. had put it in. Most of the, and, and the, uh, the towns were relatively well serviced. I mean, there's electricity. The phone system, we had a phone in the office, but we could phone Lira. We could phone Gulu. <laughs> you know, like it wasn't... It was it was pretty reasonable. So here you mm -hmm. are in the middle of this, and um, you have this um, Idi Amin. He has he's already in power when you're there. Right? No, he actually took power about four or five months after we arrived. He took power oh in January of '71. God, you were there so for the coup. Yeah, most of us really, you know, like we just arrived. We were just kind of getting settled and getting to know our workers and the system. Boom. Uh, so we really didn't know what to make of it, to be honest. Um, so Boti goes out of so the country. So Boti goes out of the country, and you know we hear about it on the radio. And, and but it, but you know the in terms of going to work and all, I mean nothing really changed for most of us. Yeah, but what your parents saying coming normal. home? I think I think there was some concern from, from the parents because we were most of us were under thirty. At the time. Um, but I think it was. You know, most of us sent messages back saying everything's fine. You know, nothing's really changed in the community. We can still sh shop. We can still buy our our food, and the water supply is still. You know, so and you felt safe. I think so. Yeah. No, there wasn't. There, it it gradually changed, but I would say the first three or four months there was really no change from the three or four months before. So then, in Entebbe, you yeah. know, where I was. Oh, you were in Entebbe. Yeah. Uh, and then a lovely place. Those, oh, lovely. Those gardens at Entebbe. Yeah, gorgeous. Aren't they gorgeous? The, the, botanic the botanical gardens. Botanical yeah. gardens. And uh, just beautiful vistas over the lake. We actually, yeah. two of us had a little sailboat, so yeah, yeah, time we'd just sail out onto the lake and come back. Lake Victoria. Lake Victoria, you know, it was a, it was a idyllic spot in many ways, yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. And that lovely little, that hotel with little the swimming, hotel. swimming pool, remember? Yep, yep absolutely. That was great. Yeah. So then, uh, then um, Idi Amin's in power, and then Idi Amin gets rid of all the Indians, and you're still in, I mean, Asians, and you're still yeah. in um, Yeah, he'd, he'd been in power, I'm guessing now, a little bit over a year, and then there, there'd been difficulties with a lot of the army, there'd been killings with the uh, African population, absolutely. So that Decimated. During that, uh, from January 71 to, say, Jan uh, January 72, during that 12 months, things progressively started to get worse. There was ministers of the government that kind of... Went missing. Went missing or left the country. Yeah. Uh, my boss, for example, um, and his wife, he was married to an English woman and had two teenagers. He uh, was successful in getting a promotion, actually. I think it was all part of his exit strategy. He, would, he became chief engineer of East African Railways in Dar es Salaam. Oh, so now, he, he disappeared about, uh, I'm guessing now, you know, June or May or June of 72. And it was around the same time as that expulsion notice was given, sort of that spring. To all Ugandans Asian. of Asian extraction, didn't matter what passport they had. Yeah. Um, and I think that came down in the spring, but it was a 90-day short ultimatum 
very, very short. Yeah. And of course, that changed everything for all of us. Yeah. That really became a. a and how long a did you stay? Change. You stayed immediately. You left <coughs> quite soon after the 90 days. The 90 days, I think, were up in August '72, okay. and okay. the Canadian at the time, the Canadian High Commission brought in uh, a, team. a team. But there was, a, I think, a, a lot of that had to do with the relationship between the Agacon and Trudeau. Um, yes. We didn't know at the time, but no. you know, in, later in, in looking you find back, out. later you find out. And at the time, I think there was there was 50 or 60,000 uh, Ugandans of Asian extraction left the country, and Canada took 5,000. I think mostly Ishmaeli. I mean, you know, I'm five thousand families. Families, yes. Yeah, and at the time it was very tense. I mean, you know, people. Uh, there was incidents every day there for those ninety days, and you know, a lot of robberies, a lot of uh, theft, and, and, and thuggery among the military. Uh, it was really uh, out of control in many ways. So it was it was nervous times, more so for the Ugandan population than us, but still for us. It, it but was eventually. Unsettling. Did the Canadian government say it's time for you to leave? I think it, it came through, uh, the f and I think, I think initially we wanted to stay, but our contract was over. So okay. unlike some of the people that had only been in Uganda one year, we had been in there two years. Yes, yeah. So we, it was time our contract was up. Yes. And <clears throat> at the same time, it was the the Canadian uh, authorities through CUSO said, even time. the folks that had been there. Time to, get time to leave, and there was actually a group due to arrive wow. in August. New, new recruits. Yeah. And <clears> they were all diverted into Dar es Salaam and worked in other parts of East Africa. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, you, did you continue a, a career in engineering? Yes. Yeah, no, I came, uh, returned. I actually worked for CUSO uh, for two years in the Toronto office as a recruiter, which was delightful. I really enjoyed that. And then after that, in 75, I joined an engineering consulting firm and worked in the private sector until uh, 85, moved to Ottawa, and then worked uh, in the private sector again in Ottawa for uh, about three or four years, and then I joined the city of Ottawa and worked in their municipal department until I retired in 2008. So, you know, when I when I turn the tap on in, give me a town's name that you might have worked um, in. I think the one I remember the most was either Sarodi or Masindi. Like we did oh, a lot Masindi. of work in both towns, yeah. The tea places, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if I turn a tap on Masindi <laughs> when I go yeah. back, I'm going to think of you. Oh, good. That's great. Thank you for your service okay. to QSO VSO. Thanks for the interview. Okay.